You're listening to The Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. And now, your hosts, Jamie Cass and Pot Green. All right, all right. We're back, dude. It's been a bit of a been of a layover here. Sorry, people. Took us uh, ten days this time to get to this, but uh, personal uh, problems. Priorities. Yeah, they get in the way sometimes. My life's kind of fallen to crap a little bit lately, but you know, whatever. I'm gonna compartmentalize that stuff right now and move on and enjoy the beautiful weather we're having here in Northern California today. The weed's definitely growing up in those hills. There's there's, there's big green plants growing up in them hills. Yep. And, you know, it's a series of up and downs, and uh, we all got a lot to be grateful for. So, hey, we're grateful to have you on the show today to That's talk right. about some important issues. Very, very important stuff. Uh, my uh, my dog got fucked up yesterday, hardcore, Jamie. It was really kind of oh, sad. Oh, man. Woke up I'm in- so sick of hearing about dogs taking it up the wabooby. This wasn't the cops, though. This is actually, this is a dog that's, these are two dogs that are meant to protect um, stuff. And, uh... Two two hundred pound Rottweilers, dude. My uh, my dog got in their yard, and um, my neighbor saved his life. They they almost killed him, dude. He had uh, eighteen uh, deep deep puncture wounds that went through the muscle. Uh, Fourteen of which are now drained with stents and still open. He's just like gushing blood and serum and um, all screwed up, dude. They put him on they put him on morphine yesterday. They put him to sleep so they could deal with all this stuff and. He's on two different types of pain medication, a whole bunch of like uh, prescription, like cleansing, you know, solutions and and, uh, antibiotics. So, but uh, Buckley is going to make it, dude. He's going to make it. It's all goody good. Wishing uh, the best for Buckley. Yeah. I wonder if cannabis would, if any, there's any sort of cannabis medicine that could help dogs. What do you think? Maybe. I don't know, man. Maybe. I don't know how to even approach that part. You know, we're still struggling over the human aspect of it. But, you know, uh, later in the day, we have our, our nugget for the day um, is going to be about cannabis toxicity. And actually, there are tests done on dogs and they couldn't stuff enough in it to kill them. So, yeah, it's not possible. What we think. All I got to offer on that. Though. It, it, appear, it really appears that lethal overdose is impossible with marijuana. As much as like when you eat too much pot food, you think it might kill you, it won't. Yeah. You'll live. Yeah. You'll just be the scared. The thing is, there's an amount that can kill a per, even a human being, but it's so high that it's absolutely impossible to get it into your system. It's not THC, to... though, that what is does it. It's smoking, and they, it's the carbon monoxide is what would poison you. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the, the cannabinoids itself. And so, yeah, you're right. You cannot possibly inhale enough cannabis smoke quick enough to be poisoned by carbon monoxide it is impossible or eat so. or even eating there's impossible to it's, it's just impossible to i mean yeah. 1500 pounds or something no, you're gonna puke <laughs> you're gonna feel like your head's gonna explode your heart's gonna be beating crazy fast i mean it could if you have heart problems you know like serious health issues you shouldn't get really high and there's a possibility you shouldn't be using cannabis at all i mean hey you know, you know what that's absolutely a perfect segue for me to put this little tidbit in here i didn't mention this before the show but i did find a con a potential con, a minor toxic side effect of taking cannabis. Uh-oh. This is real because, you know, on Cannabis <laughs> Agenda, we want to report everything we find. Yeah. There's just not a lot of negatives to talk about. Right. Um, listen, one minor toxic side effect of taking cannabis, which merits attention, 
is the short-term effect on the heart and vascular system. Now, for you and me, it might be just like you described. Oh, man, my heart's going to jump out of my chest. You're a little freaked out. You get over it, and you're okay. This can lead to significant increases in heart rate, lowering of the blood pressure. For this reason, patients with a history of angina. What's that? What is angina? What's angina? um, Heart disease. not vagina, is it? No, 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 no. Angina. No, no. this is uh, a little bit higher than... Up above the VJJ, there's a little <laughs> a little pumping uh, apparatus there. What's that? It's known What's as our heart. Oh, and, uh, the heart. Okay. Or any any other cardiovascular disease, it, it could be at risk. A person could be at risk because of this, you know, rapid heart rate and, and uh, lowering of the blood pressure, heart rate increase and lowering of the blood pressure. So uh, they could be at risk and should probably be excluded from any clinical trials of cannabis-based medicines. So if you have somebody that you care about deeply and you want them to try cannabis for medicine, just be careful with that. It's not a, a guaranteed threat, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a serious, legitimate danger. So yeah. if they already have pre-existing heart problems understand that you know that effect when they first try cannabis and they're not adjusted to it yet they might be you know one of those guys that goes to the emergency room for no reason because they're you know overly freaking out because they don't sure. know what to expect and their heart's going fast but and in the, this case it could actually be a problem and the doctors say uh typically we just tell them to chill out dude just relax yeah t- take out your board and ride the wave <laughs> have you ever been too high before jamie so high that it yes. like kind of scared you a little yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? It actually happened the way that it probably most happens with emergency room visits. Um, exactly the same thing. It's from eating because people don't realize when you eat cannabis, it takes 30 or 40 minutes for it to take effect. And you're sitting there like 20 or 30 minutes later and you're going, I don't feel anything. I know. After that long, it's yeah. bunk. It's just, I better take some more. <laughs> I know. It's and then stupid. it all takes effect and you're like, oh my God. And, and, and that's not even really a true general rule. 40 minutes, that's that's kind of BS. Yeah. Like it, it varies per person and it varies per cocktail, like depending on how it was made. Like there's... There's this uh, this tincture that I that I was taking for a while, dude. It took like two and a half hours before I would feel the effects of it. Uh, and wow! For, you know, can you imagine somebody just keeps taking another eyedropper and over and over and over and over and over? <laughs> totally, dude. And I mean, I've I've overmedicated on food twice in my life. One time I was at a fish show in Vegas, and uh, homeboy gave me a brownie, and I was stupid and just ate the whole thing before the show. By intermission, I was my head was going to explode. I had to leave. I had to leave. I was yeah. so screwed up, I couldn't stay in a in a hippie concert <laughs> right i passed right. out in the car and i woke up like 17 hours <laughs> later in sacramento <laughs> i didn't wow. know i was like whoa dude what happened they were like we've we've carried you in and out of hotel rooms you've been asleep for 17 hours i'm like whoa that's kind of scary and then the other time yeah. homie gave me some hash pizza and i didn't know there was hash on it and i ate the pizza and it was like a late night like i you know i smoked some herb and then like i grubbed a piece of pizza and then I went straight to sleep. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and my, I was having heart palpitations. And I thought maybe I was like dying, like being poisoned by carbon monoxide or about to have a heart attack because I didn't realize that I'd even eaten cannabis, which is scary, you know, because that's Man. that's kind of uh, uh, that's, that's the sort of stuff we don't want to happen to anyone, you know. Um, Absolutely. Which and you might point towards regulation, you know, and having products like actually labeled and, and stuff, you know, it would help. You know, so you there? We lost. Oh, you're there. We didn't lose Jamie. Just thinking. Ha ha. What's going on in Illinois, my man? 
Oh, well, recently, just a few days ago, there was a NBC Chicago story ran with the lead. Uh, Illinois House lawmakers will likely not pass the duchy until next legislative session, which they just love to make fun and have fun with uh, cannabis related issues. And uh, subsequently, um, 420 Magazine on online uh, picked up the story with their lead that said Illinois medical marijuana bill goes up in smoke. Well, I get the clever uh, titles, you know, and I like to laugh as much as everybody else, but it, it, it kind of seemed overly fatalistic to me. And I thought, my gosh, I don't think that's that it's, it's done completely. That's that's not right. And so uh, while contemplating this, I thought, you know what, why don't I go to the source? So I called up Dan Lynn and uh, he's uh, one of the leaders in promoting this legislation in the state of Illinois and at the Illinois Cannabis Patients Association. And he is the executive director, which uh, a little bit of, sorry for the redundancy, but in the interview that I had with him today, um, he was gracious enough to talk to me for several minutes, um, about 10 minute interview. Um, I, I said the same thing over and announced who he was. So there's a little bit of redundancy there, but uh, I did uh, I did call him up and talk to him. I hope we have that clip. We can uh, run and uh, run that now and uh, listen to what he said. We're ready. Matt's on top of it, dude. Right on. First, let me tell people who we're talking to here. This is uh, I have Dan Lynn on the phone. He is the executive director of the Illinois Cannabis Patients Association. Um, one of the, they were at the forefront of of supporting this legislation, SB thirteen eighty one in Illinois. That would be our first uh, medical cannabis legislation. Um, Mr. Lynn, hello, sir. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Um, I'm just going to get right into the basics of this. The, the The big question is, what is the current state of affairs involving thirteen eighty one? Well, the legislators did not vote on it before adjourning from the legislative session, um, so they're not going to be uh, down in Springfield again until the fall. Uh, so right now it's kind of a regrouping time. Uh, you know, we're hoping that they will bring it up for a vote in the fall. Uh, however, there will be some uh, needs to change or amend the bill probably, which could delay the effective date. But uh, right now we're uh, still just a few votes shy of the number that we need to pass it. And, uh, you know, we're still asking people to keep contacting their state representatives and keep telling other uh, folks that support medical cannabis in Illinois to make sure that they get involved and join the efforts to get this legal here. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know that typically when these, this type of legislation hits a state, um, the the most reliably uh, the most reliable opposition to this type of legislation tends to be the law enforcement community for whatever reason. We know there's various reasons why that takes place. What is the current state of affairs involving or uh, the the stance of Illinois law enforcement? I've heard different things. They're they're adamantly against it. I've heard they've possibly changed their stance to a more softer approach. What's going on with that? Well, for years they've been against it. Uh, we've amended the bill to try and appease them. Uh, this most recent uh, legislative session, uh, you know, the sponsor of Senate Bill 1381, the former prosecutor and state's attorney. Um, but at this point, the majority of the law enforcement agencies and lobbying entities in Springfield are still opposed to it. However, the Illinois State Police did go neutral on the bill uh, in the weeks prior to the legislative session ending. Okay. So there is one of them that is neutral on it. Uh, you know, they're not for it, they're not against it, mm -hmm. uh, but then the rest of them are still against it. It's just that there's a lot of law enforcement agencies that have lobbyists down there 
uh, you know, it's the Illinois State Police or the state troopers, so they're the ones that went neutral. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I think uh, a, a common stand. I think it's rightful that people say this too. They say law enforcement, and they'll tell you law enforcement will readily tell you they they don't make the laws. Their their job is simply to enforce the laws that exist. Now that being said, I think everybody agrees on that. The police would agree on that. The the public agrees on that. That being said, and agreed on, why in the world are they out there lobbying for laws? Is is that their place? Uh, the, the same reason that everybody else uh, has lobbyists and, uh, you know, the places that policies are made, to make sure that they either uh, keep the amount of money that they're getting or that they can possibly increase money uh, through various ways. Uh, you know, I mean, law enforcement lobbyists are generally there to make sure that there isn't anything that would uh, take away laws from being on the books because the bigger the book of laws, then the bigger laws uh, you know, the amount of laws that could be broken, which requires more law enforcement officers to make sure that those laws aren't being broken. So once you start taking laws off of the books, uh, you know, you're potentially reducing the amount of money that they could be getting in uh, state funds or just through uh, fines and other type of uh, uh, municipal revenues. I see. So it's basically uh, job protection, job security. Exactly. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's exactly what most lobbyists are, are down there is to make sure that somebody's job is secure or even, uh, you know, expanding upon existing jobs. Wow, what a poor reason to deprive people of relief from mitigate, you know, or the ability to mitigate disabling circumstances in their life. Wow. Uh, yeah, and people that follow the medical cannabis movement nationally, they'll, I mean, if they look at the law that we're trying to pass, it's very strict. Uh, I mean, other than New Jersey is not allowing that people to cultivate their own, uh, you know, Illinois' law would be the strictest in the nation. I mean, our law even carries increased penalties for patients who abuse the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's you know, it would be an enhancement of the current penalties, uh, you know, if they're involved in this program. So, uh, you know, I thought we would have been able to get this through in the spring. Um, you know, we've heard for years that they can maybe do this in November or in the fall. And, uh, you know, we've never seen any type of movement on this in the fall. So uh, we'll see where it goes. <clears throat> There's a group of us who will be meeting with the sponsor of the legislation in the House this week mm-hmm. still uh, to kind of go over our strategy for the summer. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep going at it strong. You know, we're not giving up on this. Obviously, patients need to be protected, and, um, you know, there's enough of us and we're vocal enough that we're not going to go away, uh, which has pretty much been their strategy for, uh, you know, seven or eight years now that sure. we've been trying to pass a, a medical cannabis bill in Illinois. Okay, now, a lot of people say there there's not one credible research study that supports the use of cannabis for medical purposes. I know you've heard that way too many times. Uh, can you respond to that? Well, we have a, an entire peer-reviewed journal out there now called Cannabinoids um, that I believe is put out by the International Association of Cannabinoid Medicines, which is another, uh, you know, organization, international organization that has, um, with the researchers and scientists and grad students, uh, clinicians that are doing these studies, um, you know, just like any other type of scholarly endeavor, they have these peer-reviewed journals by the experts um, kind of 
explaining the research that they're doing. Uh, so, I mean, there's a vast amount of research out there. Uh, you know, I've done interviews just this past spring with reporters who were looking for the research. I told them where to find it, and then, uh, you know, they still wanted to publish a story kind of claiming that there is no science behind this. Jeez. So, uh, you know, I mean, this is a war. Um, you can't remove yourself from it, and, uh, you know, there's going to be propaganda and lies with any war. Okay, I have, I have kind of a trick question for you a little bit, I guess. Uh, a tricky question, let's just say. What's the number one claim or talking point that uh, you hear from the opposition to this legislation? Like this specific legislation or yeah. this issue? Yeah, this, well, I guess uh, this issue, but pertaining probably mostly to, to what's going on here in Illinois in 1381, the most commonly used... You know, they use talking points. They say the same things over and over and over and over and over again. Um, what's the what's the most prominent thing you've heard said about SB 81? Why we shouldn't have this? Why it's such a detrimental idea? Uh, the one that I've heard is that it's uh, it's too loosely written. Uh, you know, they say I've heard that this okay. is a grower's bill, um, and that this has uh, the potential for widespread abuse. Oh my gosh! I was going to ask you to. Uh, Rebut that, but I think we've already pretty much covered that. I think anybody that takes uh, 20 seconds to read over this uh, legislation will see that it's extremely restrictive, as you stated. It's uh, right next to, barring the, the growing part, it's uh, it's about the most restrictive legislation pending in any state. So Yeah, and, and, and what's kind of... Uh almost sadly humorous is that even those, you know, what our bill's calling for is three mature plants now. Um, th that number, three plants, I've heard far, far many legislators and other opponents say that that is just too many plants. Yeah. Uh, you know, 30 mature plants equals, you know, some thousands of numbers of joints that end up on the <laughs> playground. Um, you know, I mean, I hear this, and these people that are telling me this in the Capitol, they're dead serious. Yes. They think that three plants equals, you know, 15,000 joints, and they know that those joints are going to end up on the school playgrounds. Um, and they have absolutely no concept of cannabis horticulture or plant yields uh, or anything like that, that uh, all of a sudden they're becoming uh, not necessarily experts, but they're buying into what, uh, you know, the law enforcement and uh, organized religious movements against us are uh, are telling them. Yeah, typical scare tactics, and, and sometimes the ignorance is just staggering, I tell you. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. well, tell people before we leave you here, I know you're a busy guy, um, what can people do to help get this passed? Is there anything you want to tell people they can do right now? How can they stay involved? How can they help to push this thing forward? You know, they can contact their state representatives, obviously. Start getting involved with them so that they know that you're just not some crazy person calling them about legalizing cannabis. Sure. Um, you know, get involved with their organization, you know, with their offices and with their campaigns. And I would also say, you know, tell others to start getting more educated on this subject. Um, I mean, everybody should be continuing their education on cannabinoid medicine so that they are best armed with the knowledge to fight against these myths and misinformation people that we have against us. Uh, and then, you know, using the web as a great resource to do that is uh, also very encouraging. Uh, I'd like to put a plug out there for the Cannabis Papers, which is a project that a group of us in Illinois are working on, trying to make uh, the science and research that we're looking at uh, and be able to, you know, kind of regurgitate it in terms that everyday people can understand. Um, and that can be found on the IllinoisNormal.org website. 
Awesome. Uh, so I think that's a good place for people to start learning about cannabinoids and how influential and important they are for human life and uh, you know life and for all mammals for that matter. Absolutely, I've got all the I've got all those by the way. I uh, I made a big long word doc out of it, and I also have a collection of the PDFs. So I'm I'm looking through that. I was very impressed with it. As a matter of fact, I just noticed uh, uh, one of our friends and, and colleagues, Brian Brickner, is involved in that project. Um, they published it under the name of Publius, correct? One the same, yeah. I just noticed that uh, cannabis culture has run a full uh, uh, piece on that, so that's pretty. Uh, it's pretty promising that we're getting some positive information out there. Well, yeah, hey Dan, I want to thank you for the update, and uh, thanks for all that you do for sure. We definitely appreciate it, um, and for taking the time today, of course, to talk to us. We'll keep in touch with you and keep everybody informed on this important legislation, and uh, hopefully, you'll be able to give us an update down the road here. Uh, I don't know, whatever months down the road as things develop. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, and uh, you know, feel free to, to uh, you know, get in uh, touch with me again so that we can get the people informed. And uh, you know, I apologize, my uh, throat's a little bit sore this morning. Oh, not a problem at all, not a problem. We're glad to hear you talk, no matter how it sounds. We appreciate your information yeah. and your support in these issues. So uh, take care, Dan, and uh, we'll, get a, we'll get in touch with you soon. Be sure to check out Cannabis Agenda, all right? I will. Okay, thanks, sir. Take care. All right, thanks, Dan Lynn. Um, that was a that was a good interview, Jamie. Um, I hope our listeners appreciate that. Uh, uh, Matt is doing wonders with our sound; it's getting so much better. Good job, Matt. Nice. Uh, yeah, I got some questions yeah. about Dan for you. So, Dan is a state legislator. Is that correct? No, 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 no. Okay. No, Dan is the executive director of Illinois Cannabis Patients Association. Okay. And uh, to call him a stoner would be kind of a, I don't know, a low ball. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's not just a, I mean, it elicits that stereotype, you know, which is not a bad thing as we know it, but, uh, so he's, he's not a doper. He's, uh, he's a professional individual. He has, uh, a suit and tie and an intellect and a vocabulary, and he's using it for good to change the cannabis laws in Illinois. So, and in summation, I would say he is a strong uh, advocate. He is a friend for sure. Good. He's an ally. Good. So, and he's a good source of information. He really knows what he's talking about. Um, I will talk about, you mentioned the, uh, the cannabis papers. That's uh, a citizen's guide to cannabinoids. And I'll mention that in just a second. But uh, first I wanted to, to instruct people that can go to IllinoisCannabisPatients.org and uh, check out their website and find out more about Dan and about his organization and what's going on. Um, on that website, I noticed the Illinois Nurses Association has an endorsement on there. Um, well, they didn't put it on there, but you know, they, it has their endorsement. It's from the uh, position statement in December 2004. And the Illinois Nurses Association said in this statement, and I quote them, it is the position of the Illinois Nurses Association to Support the right of patients to have safe access to therapeutic cannabis under appropriate prescriber supervision. Two, support legislation to remove criminal penalties, including arrest and imprisonment for bona fide patients and prescribers of therapeutic cannabis, and to support federal and state legislation to include cannabis classification as a Schedule Three non-prohibited drug. So, like Marinol, just like Marinol. So you know. You, you get those claims all the time. There's not one credible study that shows, you know, and, and no credible medical association or anybody. Well, Illinois Nurses Association is pretty damn credible. And anybody that's been to a hospital knows that the nurses take care of you at least as much or more than the doctors do a lot of the time. So, Definitely. Uh, 
we're behind them, and we appreciate that. Um, moving on to this cannabis papers, I really want to mention that before we go any further. Um, go to IllinoisNormal.org, as Mr. Lynn just stated, and you can find out more about this. It's a book project, The Cannabis Papers, A Citizen's Guide to Cannabinoids. And really what this all comes down to is cannabinoids. Um, or cannabinoids, some people call it, but, you know, um, tomato, tomato. Uh, I'll read what this says on their website. We are Publius. Publius is, uh, is what they, that's a pen name that they use this for, or they use to, uh, to uh, put this out. In 2009, for the same purpose, uh, to make their sum greater than our individual parts. In doing so, we've created a series of essays to detail the role of cannabinoids in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is a book project. It's called uh, The Cannabis Papers. It's written by Publius, a penance once used by the founders and redrafted by the folks at Illinois Normal. The book's essays will be released first online and then published together later this year. Uh, any student of history can tell you we are not the first Americans to confront untruths, to voice our truth through language, to create a new set and setting, we turn to a collection of essays known as the Federalist Papers. I'm sure you, anybody, um, any, even rem remotely uh, privy to uh, American history will be, uh, that will sound familiar to them, the Federalist Papers. During 1787 and 1788, when we were trying to get our Constitution drafted, uh, James Madison, John Jay, and Alexander Hamilton wrote 85 essays in support of the U.S. Constitution. They used the pen name Publius in honor of a famed Roman Republican someone they saw as a defender of liberty. These guys say we are Publius in 2009 for exactly the same purpose. The essays take truths like all human beings, in fact, all mammals use cannabinoids, and they and offer suggestions and ideas on how this will affect reform in the immediate future. Simply stated, cannabinoids and the endocannabinoid system modulate other systems within the human body, and that fact alone represents a revolution in how we will soon be thinking about the nature, about nature and cannabinoids, and that will change the face, potentially change the face of these discussions and discussions like we have on uh, cannabis agenda. Publius is uh, Brian Brickner, Julie Falco, Diana Lynn Meyer, Stephen Young, William Abens, Daniel Schumacher. Uh, Danielle Schumacher, I'm sorry, Danielle, Derek Rhea, um, the late Derek Ray, he passed in 2008, David Knott, Dan Lin, we just spoke with as part of this group, Dan, Dan S. Wang, Brian Alamana, Peter Vikellis, and many others. So there's a lot of really intelligent people that are committed to uh, putting this out there. And as I stated, they did a feature in this. This right now, if you go to Cannabis Culture, uh, org. that's uh, Cannabis Culture Magazine of, you know, Mark Emery fame. Um, they're doing a feature on this exact uh, book project. So interesting to check out and very, very, very valuable for all of us that are involved in this fight. Good stuff, man. Everybody check that out. Sounds like, uh, sounds like a, a positive movement for sure. Mm -hmm. That's good. For sure. Uh, we're going to move on now um, to our emailers. Uh, we have been uh, getting the emails coming in. Um, and as we said last week, we would select one um, person to, to respond to. Um, and they are eligible for a free copy of... Um, mm -hmm. What did I get, Matt? Reefer Madness. All right. You get mm -hmm. lots of propaganda, stuff about reefer propaganda. Um, and, yep. and the thing is, is uh, <clears throat> when we mention you on the air, we're only going to mention you by first name and and you'll know who we're referring to cuz <clears throat> it'll uh reflect your your email, you know. Um but you don't email when you email us, you you're not telling us your address or anything like that. But if you want um and today's today's uh winner of the the DVD is 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 a guy named Roy. 
Um, if you want Roy, you can email us back uh, with your address and we'll send you a mm. copy of um, Reefer Madness. So yeah. um, getting into this, uh, this is the first time we've responded to emails on the show. So want to let everyone know that, that we really appreciate you letting us know what you think, regardless of uh, your position on what Absolutely. we're talking about. Um, it's important for us to read it. It, it really provides food for thought. I've uh, reflected on Roy's email a lot over the last uh, week since we got, I guess we got it about four or five days ago. So I've been reflecting on it a lot over the last four or five days. Um, and I, and I guess what, um, and reflecting upon it, it, it is clear that, that maybe my position is, is seems a little wishy-washy or I haven't been extremely clear. Although Jamie, you were saying earlier that I've been pretty clear about my position on legalization sure. in California. Sure. Uh, what I was saying, I so. <clears throat> what I was saying in the, what, what did uh, Roy's email have to say? Well, Roy's email. Here it is. He said uh, he, he liked our podcast, uh, but he's taking issue with our stance on legalization because I claimed that I am considering voting against legalization because I have mm-hmm. many close friends in the business that will be financially impacted. Uh, he said that this is the epitome of greedy capitalism. Uh, and then he pointed to uh, a lot of things uh, the discrim- we, that our show talked about. We talked about the discrimination that parents face in the judicial system. System. Uh, it highlighted growers being thrown in jail, dispensaries being firebombed. All these make legalizing an absolute moral imperative. And then he said, for an activist like myself, me, to consider voting against legalization simply because some of your friends may lose money is disgusting. Um, he said, don't forget there are hundreds of thousands of marijuana users who are forced to hide in the closet. If my boss discovered my pot use, I would be fired. There are hundreds of thousands of people forced to piss in a cup in order to get a job. The discrimination must, must end. So, um, I got, I've thought a lot about that. First of all, my position was last week, what I said specifically was I'm about 75% in the yes camp at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I put it this way. I think I did. You said I did. Um, that I said at one point, if the vote were today, I would vote yes, and that's where I still stand um, because most of the arguments I'm getting from my friends and uh, associates around here, the more and more I look into them, the more and more I find them to be false arguments. They do not stand my rationale test of rationality. You know, so um, where I stand at this point is in the yes camp. And I, um, it's a, however, it is a very difficult thing for me because Roy, you're right. People are discriminated against. It sucks to have to piss in a cup. It sucks to lose your job because you smoke weed. It, um, it's not good to mm-hmm. have a, uh, family issue revolving around marijuana. People get their kids taken away from it in the, in some mm-hmm. places in this country still. Um, and, um, all, of, all of those, for all those reasons, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, we need change for sure. So I think that at that level, you've definitely, you're definitely on, on the right track and, and we're, we're right there with you. Um, we don't think any of those things should be happening to people. Um, but, uh, where I think that, you, that you're a little mixed up is, is where you're saying for an activist like myself to consider voting against legalization simply because some of my friends may lose money is disgusting and that I'm the epitome of greedy capitalism, uh, is a little far-fetched. Um, People consider their self-interest anytime that they are voting on a political issue or, or just determining their own political position on something. Everyone does it. You did it. You were pointing mm-hmm. at you could lose your job. You know that perhaps you have kids and you're worried you could lose your kids. That's you considering your self-interest. And, and, and it makes sense to, to think about that. And 
in my life, I've uh, lived in the Emerald Triangle now for like nine years, and I've made a lot of friends and a lot of associates around here. And um, people have been doing this in this area for almost 40 years now. And it being illegal is what it made it thrive. Um, but uh, the more legal it gets, the even in the current situation, it's becoming more and more difficult for people up here to make a living doing this. So essentially what we're talking about is, is feeding people and feeding families up here. And, and um, so there's a bit of uh, protectionism going on and, and it's at least a consideration um, for me. I can't not look at it and go, wow, all my friends are telling me, you know, big business is going to take over. They're going to take over, you know, and that's oh what they're scared of is greedy capitalism. Um, so to think that, that it's not necessarily like a good thing to legalize pot would be far fetched, but to consider that, man, maybe some of the people I know are going to get really hurt by this. Um, I think it's worth considering. Now, having that said, uh, like I was saying, most of the things, most of the arguments I've been getting, I, I can't get to stand up to my, my test of rationality. Um, currently, uh, we, we have a system that pays pretty good wages to the people that work in this industry in California. Um, I don't know where you're from, Roy, but in California, pretty much right now, if you want to smoke marijuana legally, you can, it's easy to get a medical marijuana card. So it's pretty, pretty legal actually already. If you want to, I mean, you know, you can get it for your headaches if you need to or whatnot, then you can go mm -hmm. into a store and buy it. Um, also as far as family law goes, it's starting to lean towards, the courts being accepting of it. Um, they're not necessarily taking away your children anymore for that sort of stuff. And, and even for people that work in the industry, it's not like that anymore. So, um, so what I think is, is I think that I've been thinking about it and I'm like, well, what could we do differently other than just full on legalizing it? Cause honestly, I think that the epitome of greedy capitalism are companies like Marlboro and Budweiser mm -hmm. and, and, and that's what everyone's sli slightly scared of as far as moving forward with legalization. They don't want to lose, their chunk of the pie. Um, so in our current situation, we have the medical marijuana industry. We could keep that right. And then we could potentially make new laws um, where we decriminalize things. California is currently in the process of this, where if you didn't have your medical marijuana card and you had less than an ounce, it would be simply an infraction. It would no longer be a misdemeanor. It would just be an infraction. It's like a speeding ticket. We're moving towards that. That's a good thing. That's one alternative. Another alternative you could do is we could write laws where employers cannot piss test you for marijuana or discriminate against you in the hiring process because you use marijuana. We could move there. Um, we could also um, change laws regarding family issues, and, um, and, and then we could keep it as a medical... Uh, keep medical marijuana and decriminalize recreational use more so that a lot of those side effects don't, you know, aren't, aren't as strong as they are throughout the rest of the country. And, and that's already happening in California. That's where we're going. So um, I think that's an alternative. Uh, having said that, though, I still at this point definitely lean towards voting yes. If it was today, I'd vote yes. Um, but uh I think that it's worthwhile when you, you, you know people and you have friends who have families and this is how they feed themselves and this is how they pay for themselves to go to the doctor to consider the fact that this could be detrimental to them. And um, mm -hmm. that's where I'm at right now. So yeah, I think you'd be kind of a heel if you didn't consider that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I, I, like I said, I think I even said in that, I, I, you know, I don't want to be George Bush and Halliburton or anything. So I think that it's kind of hypocritical, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then, and then the greedy capitalism part, there is a bit of greedy capitalist ways up here. Even people 
don't want it to be legal, not just because they don't want corporations to take it over, but because they don't like paying taxes. They don't want to pay taxes on their income. That's pretty much the main reason. It's so much easier to do this in the gray area. And that was what the title of that piece was in the article I'm still trying to work on. Um, you know, the gray area is where everyone likes to operate because it's pretty much legal what they're doing, but it's not like regulated to the point to where they have to dot all their I's and cross all their T's and pay all their taxes, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, personally, I mean, I think that the U S government has definitely got a lot of problems and we do a lot of things that, that are not beneficial for humanity. But, uh, in general, I believe in the idea of government. I'm not an anarchist. And, um, I believe in paying taxes. Uh, I think that we get, we spend our tax money in crazy ways a lot of the time and, and, um, that things like that can be changed. But, uh, I personally would prefer for the people I know to be working in an industry where they can stand up proud and tell everyone what they do. Um, and the thing that's happening is, is a lot of people are getting scared <laughs> that they're going to have to become, if they want to stay in it, they're going to have to become more corporate. And, um, I don't know if it's necessarily that they'll have to become more corporate, but they will have to use somewhat modern day business practices. And, uh, but saying that, um, I think the people that really want to continue working in this industry will be able to, it's just, they're going to have to have the drive to want to deal with the changes. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we appreciate the email, Roy. Like I said, mm-hmm. thanks, you, Roy. yeah, definitely. If you want to send us your address, we'll send you that copy. Um, and, uh, we're going to run that same thing again. Uh, everybody keep emailing, um, at, uh, cannabis, uh, campusagenda at gmail.com. Is there is the other one up yet? Yeah. Um, yeah. Info at cannabisagenda.com should also be working. And you can call us too at 654 can or 707-654 can C-A-N-N. We're on Twitter and we're on Facebook as well. We'll take your comments there. We're always going to select something every week for a while and we'll be handing out. We got a lot of copies of uh, Reefer Madness. So if you want one mm-hmm. for your collection, please, uh, yep. please send in some e- emails or give us a call and let us know what you think. We'd appreciate it. Absolutely. And additionally, uh, to add to that, we do, we're also on iTunes as well. So you can check that out and you can download it. Um, you can subscribe and get those delivered right to your iPhone or iPod and have them ready to listen to you. Cool. Let's, uh, move on here. What's going on in Washington, buddy? Well, you know, you're talking about legalization and the folks in in Washington state have been working on trying to get a, a legalization initiative going. They've had a little bit of a stumble lately. Um, this from the StopTheDrugWar.org, uh, their Drug War Chronicle, is stating um, after a weeks-long courtship with Service Employees International Union failed to be consummated with cash, organizers of the Washington State Marijuana Legalization Initiative I-1068 are, on one hand, bowing to fight on, and on the other, suggesting the effort could be called off soon for a lack of funds. Well, since this was published, they have decided that they're going to try to make this work, but the problem they have is that Sensible Washington uh, was uh, attempting to get, they need to get 241,000 signatures. And what they thought they were going to have from uh, this, the Service Employees International Union was uh, a monetary uh, agreement where, where the union would help them pay uh, paid uh, ballot or paid, uh, um, what do you call that? Voter proposition? That's right. Um, so 
The chairman, Doug Hyatt, told the Associated Press, Associated Press Monday that the group had gathered 100,000 signatures to get the initiative on the ballot, but they do need 241,000 valid signatures by July 2nd in order to make the ballot. Now, does, um, that include the the, uh, does that include the ones that the cops stole? I was going to ask that same question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wonder that, too. That's That just irritates me to no end. I don't know how that's going to work out. Unfortunately, I don't believe so. I don't know if they've gotten those back. I don't um, think they had 141,000 signatures there. Oh, they certainly didn't. But yeah, the group was lot. counting on the union to help uh, with paid signature gathering. And on uh, Monday, the uh, SEIU said it had decided not to support the effort. Um, Adam Glickman, vice president of SEIU Local 775, told the AP the union had contributed $10,000 to the campaign for polling and signature vetting and that research has suggested having the initiative on the November ballot would increase liberal turnout in the fall, which would help them in part. Uh, but Sensible Washington's lack of financial resources raised questions about whether it could, in fact, get out the vote come November. He also cited the ACLU of Washington's opposition to the initiative. The ACLU opposes the initiative because it says it does not provide a regulatory framework. Um, the ACLU is correct. The initiative simply removes marijuana offenses from the criminal code. Writes DRC Net, by the way. This is their statement. Um, but Sensible Washington argues that if the initiative were to pass, the legislature and local authorities would be quick to act to set up a regulatory regime. There is some merit to the campaign, Glickman said. It seemed worth looking at as a good policy proposal. But as we looked more into it, there were too many questions about the policy, too much division among the stakeholders. We concluded it wasn't the right time to get involved. Um, it's really unfortunate, but you cannot do this without the money, Hyatt said, of the SEIU's decision. I never intended I-1068 to be an all-volunteer effort. We make a decision in a couple days about uh, going forward. As I said, if you go to their website at sensiblewashington.org, you can learn all about I-1068. Um, if you're from Washington and, and interested in these issues, I would definitely encourage you to. And don't have any worries about finding information about this. It pretty much dominates their website right now, as I imagine it should. Um, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate that uh, they're running into these stumbles, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what, the, what, what happens with this one. Keep um, on fighting for it, Washington. You'll get there. You'll get those signatures. Uh, they're trying. One, yeah. There was a tax, a tax issue that uh, I think it was a tax related issue. Anyway, it was there was an issue not too long ago that uh, people were very serious about. And it, it had two weeks left and about the same margin. They really need to gather about about a similar somewhere, you know, in the ballpark, close amount, uh, a similar amount of, of votes. And they did that then. So they know that it's possible to garner that many votes. Uh, Signatures. Uh, signatures in that much time. They they said they have twenty thousand petitions in circulation. That's enough for four hundred thousand signatures. So we we're urging activists to send them in sooner than rather than later, and uh, we'll see what's going on. But now, it, right now, it's beginning to look like sensible Washington's uphill battle just got a little. A lot steeper. It's always steep, man. It's steep. It's steep everywhere. I got another unfortunate story for everybody here. It appears that there's been another marijuana murder by the police militia in Las Vegas, oh, Nevada. Homeboy was killed the other night in his apartment uh, in front of his uh, eight-and-a-half-month pregnant fiance 21 21-year-old kid, dude. Um, cops raided the apartment, come in. She was uh, in the closet hiding. They caught her. Um, and they shot this guy one time in the bathroom and killed him. Um, a negligible amount of marijuana was found. 
uh, and a, a digital scale. Oh my God, big time! The guy used to. Buy there's a threat. It. Yeah, there's a big threat. This dude bought ounces and split them up accurately for his buddies. He's a fucking criminal. We should kill him. What's going on with that man? That's so whack. I can't believe this is happening all over the country still. These police go into these. They here's the deal. This is what the the um, uh, the detective said. It was during the course of a warrant, and as you all know, narcotics warrants are all high risk warrants. So mm-hmm. that's stupid, dude. Like, I don't know, yeah. 90, 999 out of the thousand people I know that work in this industry don't use firearms. Um, but, you know, because it's a narcotics issue, you're going to come in blazing. There's very various accounts of what the story was like. The cop that um, shot and killed this guy, This is his, he's been a cop for 10 years and he's been involved in three controversial shootings, one of which did not end up in death, so it didn't go through the court process, and the other one did end up in death and it did go through the court process, and it's a really shady case whether or not he was, you know, uh, acting out of, you know, you know, just not acting appropriately with his firearm. This case is different. What he's that what the cop is saying is that he had not yet calmed down the suspect, and the suspect lunged at him. And I'm, what I'm thinking is, is he's unarmed. Uh, you didn't have any reason to think that he had weapons. Pistol whip him. I don't know. Mace him. Shock him. Something. But like, even if he did lunge at you. But then the other account from the fiance is they had already been talking. He was already calmed down. They had him in the bathroom. They were starting to talk again, and then he got shot. So it's really kind of hard to tell exactly uh, what what the story is here, but um, but this is just one more case of uh, the police overreacting on a cannabis warrant, um, and and they again they killed someone in a relatively it looks like he's just mostly a recreational cannabis user. This kid mm-hmm. has his AA degree. He's working towards was working towards a political science degree at UNLV mm-hmm. um and he was uh working in the in- insurance industry. If he was selling cannabis, it was a it was negligible amounts um and it sounds like maybe he just had the hookup for his buddies cuz you know, I don't I don't know necessarily what the story is there, but when they mm-hmm. say an unspecified amount of marijuana, it means they don't have much to go on. Because if he had 20 pounds, he'd be like, he had 20 pounds. Dude deserved a bullet in the head. But um, he didn't, no matter how many pounds he had. So mm-hmm. that sucks, man. It's time to move yeah. on to that Rocky Mountain High. Tell us what's going on in Colorado. In Colorado's Rocky Mountain High. Uh, let me see here. There's a couple things going on. More trouble down in Boulder, Colorado. Um, well, I guess you could uh, construe that as trouble. The, uh, this from the Longmont, Longmont Times um, in Boulder, uh, or in Longmont, Colorado, actually. John Fryer writes, uh, commissioners vote to restrict grow locations. County commissioners have ruled out letting medical marijuana businesses grow their crops in unincorporated Boulder County's agricultural zoning districts. Commissioners voted uh, unanimously Tuesday to restrict medical marijuana centers businesses that sell, grow, or distribute medical marijuana to the county's business, commercial, light industrial, general industrial, and transitional zoning districts. During a public hearing before the vote, several medical cannabis advocates and business owners urged the commissioners to allow them to cultivate cannabis crops in ag zones, something several indicated already is going on. Time Lewecki, 
Tom Lewecki, a partner in uh, Boulder Dispensary, complained that with the moratoriums on pending bans in place in many area cities and towns, Boulder County and the city of Boulder are the only places left where dispensaries can grow the medical marijuana they sell to patients on the state's registry. David Calhoun of Lafayette said medical marijuana could be integrated into an organic farming operation. Limiting the locations where medical marijuana can be grown will make it less of it available to the Boulder County patients who need it and will drive up prices, Calhoun argued. This is a plant, said David Platt of Boulder, adding that it makes more sense to grow medical marijuana in a greenhouse in a rural setting than in a warehouse in an industrial area. I would agree with that. What do you think about that one? Huh? I think that's accurate. The problem is, is that it's not completely legal yet, and that your rights are not. Um, you're, you don't have protected rights to grow, even though they say you do. You don't yet. Uh, we we know that we grew have been growing weed indoors because it's illegal, uh, and now there is a perception that weed grown indoors is better, and that's not true. I've seen the bomb shit from dudes that have been growing outdoors for thirty years. Marijuana can be just as good grown outdoors. You just have to learn how to do it, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. and and hopefully moving forward, we can yeah. move into an economy where it is you are your rights are protected enough so that we can start proving that point um that the right. outdoor weed is good but uh yeah that's uh they're, they're definitely moving in the in the towards the process of regulation um mm-hmm. in in colorado um and uh, it's there yeah it's definitely there yeah. um as a response to the regulation uh colorado citizens have decided to move forward with another um uh, legalization initiative or ballot initiative that's going to be on the ballot in 2012. So they're already prepping for 2012 too. Um, and that's as a mm-hmm. result of all this stuff they've, they've moved forward with that. So yeah, Colorado, you're, you're <laughs> in the sights there, huh? It's uh, the definitely, yeah. they're definitely regulating more than any other state that ha- has anything to do with this. What's going on in Michigan. There's some stories from Michigan now too, it appears. There are. There's a good, uh, actually a pretty decent story here from Michigan, um, the Michigan Supreme Court. This one also uh, from uh, DRC Net. Drug driving, um, drug to driving, Michigan Supreme Court overturns itself on marijuana metabolites issue. This is huge news. The Michigan Supreme Court Tuesday ruled that it is not illegal to drive while having marijuana metabolites in the body, reversing a 2006 decision by a more conservative version of the court. Marijuana metabolites are not a controlled substance under state law, and their mere presence thus cannot be the basis of a conviction under the state's drug driving law, the court held. Nice. That's see Pretty that's good. as we move forward in with this uh, and once the federal government decides to wake up and start moving with these things, they can figure out some way to test people to determine if they're under the influence of cannabis while driving vehicles. I mean, mm-hmm. having metabolites in your body means you use cannabis. It doesn't mean you're high, you know. And that's the issue there, right? right? I mean, that's why it's controversial yeah, because the they're basically saying. Oh, you smoke weed, therefore it's DUI and possession um, of marijuana too. I believe is what they the first ruling said, but um, from two thousand six. Mm-hmm. But uh, but now they're like, no, that doesn't sit, and it doesn't sit. It doesn't make sense. They need to create create modern technology to determine if someone's under the use of cannabis and and have regulated mm-hmm. levels of determining how much cannabis is in there they've been using. I mean. It, 
makes sense, you know. Uh, a lot, lot more yeah. going on in Michigan too, dude. Um, decriminalizing mm. dope in Detroit. The city council of Detroit, uh, the, the city of Detroit was um, looking into passing an ordinance that would have decriminalized the possession of less than one ounce for adults um, if they possessed it on private property. They decided against this and instead to put it on the November ballot this year in the city of Detroit. The citizens will decide whether or not to go forward with that. So that is a huge thing um, for what's going on now uh, in, in, mm-hmm. in Detroit and in, in Michigan. Um, and uh, it looks like we got one last uh, news story for everybody with an update on Mark Emery. What's going on with Mark Emery? He's, he's ha- having a, a tough time in jail, right? Mark Emery, yeah, this story uh, also is from DRCNet and the folks over at StopTheDrugWar.org. Uh, you can go over there. It's a great place. Uh, David Borden is the executive director. He's been involved in uh, drug war policy uh, reform and, and, and ending the drug war for a lot of years. They're very credible, very well-respected individuals. You can sign up for their newsletter while you're there. It's called the Drug War Chronicle. It's a great resource to help you stay informed about all things related to drug war. Um, so uh, I've, I've, uh, I have deep respect for these guys and greatly appreciate the information flow that they provide me over the years. So go check them out if you're interested. Um, There's one particularly interesting section of their newsletter called The Week's Corrupt Cop Stories, where every week they have a list of corrupt cops that got busted doing basically the same things they bust all of us for. So it's it's interesting to find those things. And uh, it's a little bit leveling, levels the playing field and lets us know, hey, we're all human. Um, About Mark Emery, Canadian Prince of Pot, Mark Emery hasn't even been formally sentenced yet but he's already being punished for what he does best, opening his mouth for the cause of marijuana legalization. Emery's wife Jody told Cannabis uh, Canada's C News Saturday that Emery's now in solitary confinement for violating prison rules. According to Jody Emery, she recorded his calls from prison and played them as a podcast on the couple's Cannabis Culture magazine website. That violated a prison rule that phone calls can only be made between a prisoner and the intended recipient and cannot be directed to a third party. Jody Emery said Mark had read the prison rules and did not think the podcast would be a violation. Now he'll spend at least a week in solitary pending uh, a hearing to determine the full extent of his punishment for what he's done wrong. Um, to find out more about Mark and all things cannabis, head on over to their website, CannabisCulture.com. There's currently a piece on there from Joe Rogan, an outspoken advocate of free uh, access to cannabis and its derivatives. You probably know him from his stand-up comedy routines and uh, Fear Factor, that show he was the host of Fear Factor. Um, he's definitely an ally for uh, cannabis policy reformers. Another uh, note on on uh, Mark is he just uh, published uh, his almost like a dissertation on why California should vote yes for legalization in November. Um, I have not gotten to read it yet, uh, but I will be reading it soon, and we will be doing a thorough investigation into his arguments and um, why he thinks we should go ahead and legalize pot in California. Um so, so uh, it's good that he's still able to get his message out. He's in solitary confinement right now, um, but uh, hopefully, hopefully he'll be out of that soon, and we'll be able to hear more from more from him. Um, obviously, via written word, unless they're going to make a new Mark Emery law to where now you can only write to a second party, and you can't publish a third party <laughs> paper or whatever. It'll be the Mark Emery law. Let's see how much more shit we can give this guy. Come on, let's see, dude. Hi, hold on. All right, man. We got a we got a a bit for a little bit for a nugget here. Um, we do have what's going on with the nugget okay. today. The nuggy um, nug. 
I know you got a pressing uh, engagement to get to. I um, do, unfortunately. You have to leave earlier. Um, yeah. if, if we can't get through this in time, I'll try to speed this ride along. And uh, if we can't, then uh, uh, we'll see you next show. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll close this out if that's cool. Yeah, I think that we might have to. You might have to close this out. I've got a pressing BS person. Taking care of business. Yeah, okay. TCB. Right on, man. We're well, into acronyms no. around here. The nugget for today, I wanted to speak a little bit about cannabis toxicity. Um, nearly all medicines have toxic, potentially lethal effects, but cannabis is not such a substance. There's no record in the extensive medical literature describing a proven, documented cannabis-induced fatality. This is a remarkable statement. First, the record on cannabis encompasses over 5,000 years of human experience. Second, cannabis is now used daily by enormous numbers of people throughout the world. Estimates suggest that from 20 million to 50 million Americans routinely, albeit illegally, smoke cannabis without the benefit of direct medical supervision. Yet, despite this long history of use and the extraordinarily high numbers of social smokers, there are simply no credible medical reports to suggest that consuming cannabis has caused a single death. By contrast, aspirin, a commonly used over-the-counter medicine causes hundreds of deaths each year. Now, there's, there are figures, or, or I guess you would say um, numbers that researchers use. There's certain, uh, I don't know how I would pronounce that, but there's certain uh, ratings that they have that will indicate toxicity. Drugs used in medicine are r routinely given what is called an LD50, the LD50 rating indicates at what dosage 50% of test animals receiving a drug will die as a result of drug-induced toxicity. A number of researchers have attempted to determine, attempted to determine cannabis's LD50 rating in test animals without success. Simply stated, researchers have been unable to give animals enough cannabis to induce death. At present, it's estimated that cannabis's LD50 is around 1 to 20,000 or 1 to 40,000. In layman terms, this means that in order to induce death, a cannabis smoker would have to consume 20,000 to 40,000 times as much cannabis as is contained in one cannabis cigarette. NIDA, NIDA supplied cannabis cigarettes weigh approximately 0.9 grams. And, and under that uh, quantity or under that weight, a smoker would theoretically have to consume nearly 1,500 pounds of cannabis within about 15 minutes to induce a lethal response. In practical terms, cannabis cannot induce a lethal response as a result of drug-related toxicity. Another common medical way to determine drug safety is called the therapeutic ratio. This ratio defines the difference between a therapeutically effective dose and a dose which is capable of inducing adverse effects. A commonly used over-the-counter product like aspirin, say, has a therapeutic ratio of about 1 to 20. Two aspirins are the recommended dose for adult patients. 20 times that dose, or 40 aspirins, may cause a lethal reaction in some patients and will almost certainly cause gross injury to the digestive system, including extensive internal bleeding. Yikes. The therapeutic ratio for prescribed drugs is commonly around 1 to 10 or lower. Valium... For example, a commonly used prescription drug may cause very serious biological damage if patients use 10 times the recommended therapeutic dose. There are, of course, 
prescription drugs which have much lower therapeutic ratios. Now, in this case, lower is worse or more dangerous. Many of the drugs used to treat patients with cancer, glaucoma, and multiple sclerosis are highly toxic. Now, I don't know, that list, I, those three things I read, might ring a bell to you. Those also happen to be things that always figure very prominently on list of ca medical cannabis uses. Um, the therapeutic ratio of some of these drugs used in antineoplastic therapies which is uh, chemo drugs, immunosuppressants, cytotoxic antibiotics, things for cancer uh, and chemo treatment. Um, for example, they're regarded as extremely toxic poisons, poisons with therapeutic ratios that may fall below 1 to 1.5. These drugs also have very low LD50 ratios and can result in toxic, even lethal reactions, even when they're being properly employed. By contrast, cannabis's therapeutic ratio like its LD50, is impossible to quantify because it's so high. In strict, no pun intended, in strict medical terms, marijuana is far safer than many foods we commonly consume. For example, eating 10 raw potatoes can result in a toxic response. By comparison, it's physically impossible to eat enough cannabis to induce death. Cannabis in its natural form is one of the safest therapeutically active substances known to man. By any measure of rational analysis, cannabis can be safely used within a supervised routine of medical care. Wow. Yes. That's, so uh, what do you think about That's How fascinating do you like those information. Apples? I love those apples. <laughs> Those are some informative apples. Do you have <laughs> you mentioned um, the the uh, well the the LD the LD fifty of marijuana is not able to be determined? Well, they're estimating. They, no, it's not. It's so high. They're estimating it's like one to twenty thousand. Well, because to, in order to determine that, you have to induce death, because that's what that that research mm -hmm. uh, figure is is for. It's a the, that what's what that measurement is meant for. So that they, show, they, us, they usually do this on rats or, or some small mammal. Is that correct? Yeah. And they'll have rats over in the corner all googly eyed going, God, my head is killing. I feel like I'm going to zook. I don't know. Ugh, life sucks. Ugh, and that's about the extent of it. And they're like, damn, you didn't die, which, you know, is what they, unfortunately, that's what they want because they want to find, they want to figure out the LD50 and they can't do it. So it's estimated at one to 20,000 to one to 40,000, which is. As, uh, in comparison, do you, do you have, do you know, do you happen to know the LD50s on any, any other comment like alcohol? Uh, what's the LD50 on, on? Um, I do not, but there is one, and it's definitely attainable. We can quantify all of those substances that you're referring to in question. I'm assuming you're thinking about uh, heroin and cocaine and uh, tobacco. And potatoes, uh, apparently. Caffeine. Yeah, and potatoes. Imagine that. You know, actually, uh, I'm not even going to attempt to say water is toxic, but it, it's, it's interesting to know that uh, water, good old, you know, one of the, the elements necessary for life, cleansing, purified, awesome water can kill you. Um, it actually can kill you relatively easily in a, in a, in a in, to be honest. Um, it, uh, there's a, a condition known as hyponatremia and it's caused by drinking too much water. It, uh, it violently offsets the electrolytes and sodium levels and provoking death. Um, and an average person, it takes about two and a half gallons of water in about an hour to provoke death in this way. Is that all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And wow. it's, it, when I, when I, and I don't know if you recall, you were, were living in California at the time. Um, recent, not too long, it was in uh, January of 2007 in Sacramento, a radio station had an absolute disaster. 
um, poor, poor judgment on their part. Uh, this, this Sacramento station was, uh, I think it was KDND FM morning rave show. They did a, a, a big contest, an on-air contest, water drinking contest. Uh-oh. And during the contest, a nurse actually called them up and said, look, uh, I want to say that all these people drinking all that water can get sick and die from water intoxication. And she announced herself as a nurse. And uh, the DJ said, and, you know, he was caught up in the moment. I mean, I give him that break. He, it's, it's, in hindsight, it looks like there's no excuse. But in that moment, you know, he was caught up in the middle of his show. They had this big contest going on. He, he, he responded to her, yeah, we're aware of that. They signed releases, so we're not responsible, okay? Oh. And then, uh, unfortunately, Jennifer Strange, uh, 28-year-old, uh, beautiful young lady, uh, died. And uh, there was 10 people fired, um, probably an enormous lawsuit, I could imagine. And uh, it was a disaster. So, yeah, um, just lovely, beautiful water. Imagine that, you know. Uh, it, it sent chills through my, through my spine when in 2007 when that story came out. And I had no idea. It was like a, literally a who knew thing. And I went, oh, my God. There's been times that I could instantly recall where I had a pending job interview in a, in a subsequent uh, urinalysis test and was definitely I had a lot more than metabolites in my system without a doubt. And I thought, you know what? I'll just flood my body with water. And I was upset. I recall vividly being upset that I didn't have enough jugs where I could just set them up there and then look at it objectively and say, I have to get rid of these jugs you know, through drinking it and then I'll be okay. Like I was thinking four or five gallons of water as fast as I could right before the test. Good grief. I might not have got that test, a stroke of luck, I guess. But, uh, yeah, you can call it that. Yep. I don't think water, um, could ever possibly have an LD 50, <laughs> but, uh, you know, well, you going, can... going back to, to cannabis then, uh, it, it, so it's, it's cannabis is, you mentioned it's one of the most, the most, or one of the safest therapeutic substances that we know of. I think you put it in those terms. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we've also heard that probably in the past from, uh, administrative law judge, um, from, uh, the DEA who said the same thing in his, uh, in his opinion. Um, he advised that the, the laws be changed and that uh, we stop hurting people unnecessarily and that it uh, explicitly he stated how that it was unnecessary, unnecessary harm being brought to people. And uh, as you can imagine, that in, immediately was quashed <laughs> and went absolutely nowhere. Uh-huh. Uh, it was uh, administrative law judge Francis Young from the DEA. That's easily Google, Googleable. Is that a word? I just coined a new one. I think so. Um, and uh, yeah, so... There you have it. Cannabis toxicity. How deadly is this stuff? Well, I don't know. The Illinois Nurses Association has uh, a clue that it's not very uh, deadly and uh, among many other uh, medical associations. Hands down, it is much safer than alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Uh, before we get rolling, uh, get out of here, I just want to mention to some people uh, um, uh, an interesting thing has just happened. Uh, another thing in Colorado that I failed to put in there, um, Vail, the, the, the city of Vail. Um, this from uh, Vail Daily um, newspaper, Matt Zelaznik uh, reported, Vail smokes voters with a pot ban. Vail pushed, uh, pushes a very fun ski town image, but this week it was a buzz kill, at least for medical cannabis patients who don't want to leave town to get their ganja. 
In other words, a free ride on the Westvale Green won't get you any green leafy. The town council has snuffed out medical marijuana dispensaries. Uh, now that Governor Bill Ritter has signed a new law that lets towns, cities, and counties ban the buds, pot shops will be verboten in Vail. Now, this, and, is, this is probably going to be challenged as being unconstitutional under the state laws, I would presume. Yeah, I mean, the story goes on to even say it's, it's sad that a little skewed morality, booze good, weed bad, and fears of ruffled reputations convinced the council to deny the sickest among us a bit of comfort. Uh -huh. You know, actually, I think, uh, didn't uh, Charlie Sheen just get in some trouble with his wife there in Vail? He's a frequent, uh, frequent uh, I think he has a, a home in Vail. And, and from the sounds of things, I think uh, Mr. Sheen might be able to benefit from uh, you know, maybe altering his substance in ingestion, you know, and, and getting kicking the booze seems to be getting him in a lot of trouble and maybe puff a little. So who knows? Maybe that's what it'll take. It'll take some of these esteemed elite people that they're trying to, you know, protect their reputation for their sterling reputation for of world classiness. You know, <laughs> if some of these individuals that are at the height of that list will uh, speak up and say, hey, wait a minute, dude, you know, I want my rights, too. And we'll see how that rolls. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting to see how things uh, play out. And I hope people understand by now that it's never over. It's not done. It's not finished. If you get a law passed and it's exactly how you want it to be, and it's even better than you even imagined it could be, and it seems pretty ironclad, it's not done. We still have to be diligent and make sure we protect our legislation and make sure that other laws don't come in and trump it or smash it or alter it to the point of being um, non-functional. And, uh, you know, it's an ongoing thing for us. So continue to be diligent. Please, Everybody. please be diligent. Unfortunately, all this stuff runs on energy, and I know we're all taxed on our energy, but, you know, that's what we got. Um, and actually, that is what we've got for today. I believe that's I our think show. It is, yeah. Um, so until next time, uh, Pat had do you to, have anything to include? Pat, Pat, yeah. Pat had to take off, so he's not going to be able to say yeah. goodbye. He did. He had a family issue that was very important. We told him, hey, get out of here, man. It's priorities. I think most listeners would say, what are you doing on that show? Get out of there and take care of that <laughs> Talking about so. pot. Yeah, we're glad that he's doing that, and we hope him the best. And uh, you know, we love him. He's a good co-host, and uh, we'll we'll uh, have him back here next week with us on the cannabis agenda. So uh, until that time, uh, peace and pot to all. Take care, and we'll talk to you next week. Later, y'all. Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com.